Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right, guys, I tried to take fewer medicines today. We're going to see how this goes on a podcast. Welcome! It's Crazy Tuesday, the final in-season tournament evening of uh, qualifiers in the NBA. This is Fantasy NBA Today, and we're going to break it all down in just a matter of moments. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You, Those of you that have been watching or listening over the last month have seen me suffer through the throes of a violent cough and then a sinus infection. And I do feel like today I've made actual progress towards legitimate adult health for the first time in... No, that's not fair. My cough did get better like three or four days ago. It's not all the way better, but it improved. And now I think finally today... The sinus infection may be finally subsiding. I don't know what happened to me, guys. Funny thing is, a lot of you that have been listening to this show for years remember when my first kid was like two or three, I caught everything. I was sick the entire year of 2018. And I, I don't know if you guys remember this either. Brandon Marcus, one of my good buddies, fellow sports broadcaster, fellow uh, the host of our Ethos Clippers show, Came on this show every Wednesday for one whole season, and he brought buys and sells to the show. It was fun. It was wonderful. We called it Brandon Day. And every Wednesday, I was sick. And after a number of them, Brandon finally was like, are you okay, dude? Like, are you immunocompromised? Do you need to go to a doctor? I'm like, no, nah, man, I have a, I have a two-year-old kid. Uh, and now he has a kid, and he's sick all the time, which is fun. It's not schadenfreude for me. It's just sort of like an understanding, a, a, a certain, you know, your heart, you feel it. It's empathy. Anyway, um, my younger kid is three and a half now, so you think I would have gone through some of this stuff. But one of the weird things about, and this is not fantasy, but I don't care. You guys get to hear a story every once in a while. The weird thing about COVID is that even when we came out of the sort of big pandemic part of it, there were still masks in schools and a lot of measures being taken to just sort of stop the spread of general illness that have now basically gone away. We've sort of just returned to normalcy outside of, I think, wearing masks in hospitals and doctor's offices. Things are basically normal now, which means now we're getting that whole what our younger one would have gotten when he was two when he's three. So we're just sick all the time in this house, except for our older kid, knock on wood. Apparently he had all these things, and so he's just not getting them again. Honestly, I'll take it. If the kids stay healthy in general and they can go to school, and that means I can have time to do these pods, even if I'm sniffling and coughing all over them, that's good news for you guys. You get to listen to my mucusy face. All right, let's do a show, damn it. You've heard enough of this nonsense at the beginning. I'm at Dan Vespers over on social. I hope you guys will find me over there. Please do like and subscribe, or I don't care. Do an unlike if you don't want to hear me talk about my boogers at the beginning of a show. I get it. I don't want to hear it either. But it's all I hear because it's inside my head. 
The boogers are calling from inside the building. Well, yesterday was goofy, wasn't it? Monday was a wacko day. Mostly because Reggie Jackson went buck-freaking-wild. And we'll get to that ball game because that's at the end of the card. It was a relatively short Monday, but a few things that we want to break down here. Um, I don't know that this is going to be the world's longest episode of Fantasy NBA Today. And frankly, my voice could handle a little bit of a break. Because we're also going to do a buy-low show later this afternoon. That'll probably be coming uh, closer to 1.30 or 2 o'clock later on today. Um, as I think through the scheduling of it, I, you guys don't care. Just make sure you're subscribed to make sure, you know, what you got alerts on. And, and when it pops up, you'll get it. And so far, that one's been a, a pretty big hit in the community. Wizards were involved in another blowout, which, you know, like, pfft, what do you want me to tell you at this point? Uh, they either get blown out on the good side or the bad side. Either way, it's a damn blowout. Kyle Kuzma continues to impress. I maintain that I think he's a sell-high guy. He's number 60. He's kind of taken over as Point Kuzma. Um, anytime Tyus Jones is off the floor, he's the point guard because Jordan Poole has revealed himself to be I don't know, maybe the worst player in the damn NBA right now. Like, Jordan Poole is absolutely atrocious. He's number 199 in fantasy, and it's worse than that if you watch it in real life. He's doing, like, just generally idiotic things on the basketball court basically daily. He's turning into a Twitter meme nightly. I am so grateful that we dodged that bullet. And the reason we dodged that bullet, and this is not... I want you guys to... Because sometimes people are like, Dan, the only part of your show that I don't like is when you pat yourself on the back. This is not that. This is how to interpret lessons learned. I dodged Jordan Poole in drafts because one of my strategies in drafts that we've talked about in more words than this, but paring it down to one sentence, the strategy is basically don't draft somebody in the fourth round who could have the floor fall out from underneath them. Even if there's upside. And there was. There was upside with Jordan Poole because if things clicked and he took 25 shots a game and he was scoring 30 points a night, then the other stuff kind of wouldn't matter because you assume he shoots in the low 40%. He becomes sort of a punt field goal guy. But if he's playing like 35 minutes a night and he's scoring high 20s with a bunch of threes and some assists and some steals and great free throw numbers, all that stuff doesn't really matter. But the reason that I didn't take the plunge on Poole in any nine-category league is... Because we've seen the bottom fall out. We saw it fall out last year in Golden State, where he was getting a lot of playing time and a decent amount of usage, and he was outside the top 140 in nine category leagues because his field goal percent was a drag. He didn't block shots. He didn't get that many steals. His turnovers were high. His rebounds were low. His assists were fine. His scoring was fine. His threes were fine, but it wasn't good enough to counterweight the damage he was doing. And he became more of a punt-certain-stuff kind of dude. And you guys know how I feel the, about the punt-certain-stuff kind of guys. I try to avoid them at the front end of drafts. It's, it, it kind of pigeonholes you. It's, you get stuck in a tunnel where as soon as you do one, you kind of have to do the others. And then you get locked into this build that maybe you didn't even really want to begin with. It's why I didn't draft Cade Cunningham. It's not because I didn't think these guys were going to have, like, okay seasons. It's because if, 
if your only argument for drafting a guy is that he can get to his ADP if you're punting X, that puts him in a very tight spot. And I just tend to avoid it. Now, some of the time, the guys get there. Okay? This isn't like a foolproof plan. It's just that if I need this certain thing to happen for my team build or whatever to get to a spot, I'm probably not going to do it. And I know some of you probably look at that and they say, well, what about a guy like Freddie Van Vliet, Dan? You ended up with a lot of Freddie Van Vliet, even though you said you're not going to take a, a punt field goal guy. Ah, I said I'm not going to take a guy who needs to be a punt whatever to get to their ADP. Freddie Van Vliet is going to get to his ADP. I still pretty firmly believe this, regardless of his punt field goal status. If you're punting field goal with Freddie Van Vliet, he jumps well above his ADP. Where is he now if you're punting field goal? He's number 29 if you're punting field goal, which is in front of where he was drafted. That's the difference between a guy like Van Vliet and a guy like, say, Jordan Poole, where when we looked at him, it was like, okay, if you're punting field goal, could he beat this ADP? Yeah, maybe. Or Cade, could he beat this ADP? Yeah, maybe. But if you're not, those guys are going to have a really, really hard time getting there. And I get it. A lot of you guys play head-to-head and are punting field goal. Or turnovers. Or both. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I just think you sort of bake yourself into a corner. Paint yourself into a corner? Trap yourself into a corner? I don't know. Dano's got to work on his idioms. Dano the idiot. And you get stuck. So that, to me, is sort of the lesson learned there. And look, I'm going to get a lot of things wrong. I have a lot of things wrong right now. A ton of them. But in terms of how I ended up not being on a particular guy, if you look back and say, okay, well, that I understand that. That makes sense to me. Maybe that's a strategy you guys like to lose, use in the future. I don't know. You don't have to. I'm just going to yell things at you, and you take what you take. Anyway, as far as the rest of the Wizards go, Daniel Gafford continues to perform admirably, even though he's not getting 30 minutes a game. He's actually number 55 in nine category leagues and only 25 minutes a game. Heaven forbid he actually plays 28 or 29. Uh, he just dunks his way through the league at that point. But So he's fine. Um, he's actually ranked ahead of Kuzma in nine cap, believe it or not. That's the magic of being a, a big-time field goal percent and blocks helper. Uh, and then Tyus Jones, who had actually got himself inside the top 100 after a couple of games where he played full starters minutes. Now he's had two games where he didn't, and he's fallen just outside the top 100 again. He's a much easier hold because he's been there. He's been a top 100 guy for, you know, half a week so far this year. I mean, overall, not, I mean, those, those two or three games in a row, he's much better than that. But again, that, all it takes is a couple of games where the Wizards are not in a blowout, and he gets back in there. Jordan Poole, I admit, is farther. He is much farther away. But you can't drop him because at some point, you still got to believe that he's going to go full screw-it mode or the Wizards, something gets shaken up. Maybe he gets fully benched just to teach him a lesson. I don't know. Something's going to have to wake his butt up, and he's just not a guy you can put on the waiver wire. And then it's also good to see Denny Avdia kind of bounce back a little bit. He does belong on rosters, even though he had also, like Tyus Jones, fallen just outside the top 100. I think those both, both those guys can end up inside it. There's at least a decent probability of that if... Well, we'll see. Uh, funny thing is, that was the report on the winning side of this ballgame because the Pistons have now lost a 
uh, franchise record. <sighs> Deep side, Detroit fans. 14 games in a row. You guys might not remember this, but the Pistons actually won two of their first three games to start the year. They beat the Hornets and the hapless Bulls, and they haven't won since. They lost to the Thunder to finish the month of October. They have not won a game in the month of November. Yucky. They have two more chances. And they're not easy ones, but you can bet they're going to play like, you know, an animal being now. Hey, I can get this metaphor right. Being backed into a corner. Uh, They've got the Lakers tomorrow, who are going to be pissed after getting completely whomped by the Sixers. And then they've got the Knicks on Thursday, who, I mean, that team very rarely lets their guard down. The Pistons have a real shot to go winless for an actual calendar month. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Ouchie. In the good news department, Jalen Duran back in the starting lineup, and despite the six turnovers and the two-for-five free throw shooting, did end up having a very nice ball game with a double-double and six defensive stats. We'll take it. Osar Thompson had three defensive stats. His percentages were a little bit better in this ball game. I-, I do think that we've seen him level off a little bit. He's number 76 in nine-cat right now. I'm a little bit worried that he's going to continue to trend down because it it always kind of felt like the rebound number wasn't going to be able to hold, and then we knew the defensive stats weren't going to be able to stay as high as they were. He's a fun guy to roster in fantasy, but I think if you can get a 65-75 to type guy back, you might want to do it before the dog days take a bite out of a rookie, and then he'll probably come roaring out of it after the All-Star break. But you guys know how that, that rookie hill goals. Guys tend to come out of the shoot with adrenaline, and then it's like, oh, my Lord, we play three, four times a week, not twice. The rigors of an NBA season, they tend to catch up with these young dudes. Jaden Ivey is probably the most interesting story on the Pistons right now. He once again made half of his shots from the field. I don't know that we can confidently say he's a fantasy asset. He's been very good the last week sitting right around the edge of the top 100, despite a very bad free throw output during that stretch. But, you know, he's also shooting 54% from the field the last week. He's averaging like 20 points a ball game. Detroit's had a pretty light schedule over that span as well. Uh, And overall, he's looked, I think, better than any of us expected. 
But this does also kind of feel a little bit like one of those moments where you're like, um, dude running hot. I can't buy too much into this because, you know, over his last five ball games, he's shot better than 50 or 50% or better, I guess I should say, in four of them. And this is a guy who shot 41.5% last year. So is there a chance his two-point percent took a flying leap forward? There's always a chance. Is it likely? No. He profiles probably as a guy that you're holding on to in points leagues to see how this goes. In 9-cat, you probably ride the heater, but just be aware that if and when, most likely, the bottom falls out, it could get ugly quick because he's way over his head in field goal percent, and that's a number that's probably going to have to level off. The other note, I guess, on Detroit, and I'm spending a lot of time on this ballgame because I think it's arguably the most interesting game fantasy-wise from yesterday. Uh, yes, I know Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan went crazy, but, I mean, that, that whole team was basically out for the ballgame. Uh, is Boyan Bogdanovich is the other note on this team. Uh, there are some leagues where he's not being stashed right now. We don't have a great idea of his return. Uh, this is around when he was supposed to make his season debut. Um, they got ruled out a day in advance. Or they? Who's they? Boyan got ruled out a day in advance still of this game against Washington. So presumably he's still, you know, at least a week or two away. But also... I was one of the folks who thought he would have a smaller role this coming season just because it seemed like Detroit had more pieces. They wanted to work into things. Uh, the more that we watch this Pistons team, the more you can point and say, I mean, like, he's going to have to play. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And Boyan is not a well-rounded fantasy player, but he very well could just step in and start scoring 17 to 21 points a ballgame for this team. With, you know, three and a half, four rebounds and a couple, two, two and a half assists. He's not going to get you any defensive stats. So you're going to need to rely on his other stuff. But, you know, last year he sat near the edge of the top 100. And that was playable in all formats. Better in head-to-head -head because, again, he's a guy that's very good in a few things and very bad in others. I think he deserves to be stashed at this point if we think he's within two weeks of coming back. Because I, I don't see how the Pistons keep doing what they're doing right now. They're going to have to give him a try, well, aren't they? Like, they're the worst team in the NBA right now. Well, you might disagree with that if you watched the way the Lakers played against the Sixers yesterday. And the funny thing is that the Lakers offensively were actually not that bad for the first three quarters. And then they went to the, you know, the all-reserves lineup in the fourth and things turned sour. Lakers were actually out-shooting Philly for a while in this game and trailing by 18 points. And a lot of that is because, number one, uh, Lakers got obliterated at the free throw line. Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, again, uh, they get a lot of free throws. There was some goofiness in this one. Um, and admittedly, I don't watch Joel Embiid every single ball game, but there was a play where he, like, literally just dove into Anthony Davis and bear-hugged him and, and got the foul call. Uh, so I can understand why some folks maybe are not super thrilled uh, to watch him go on a day-to-day -day basis. But these guys just ate the Lakers alive, and... 
it kind of felt like the Lakers were feeling good about getting that win in Cleveland, and then they sort of, I want to say half-assed this one, but it was kind of like they came into this game without all of their rotation defensive-minded players and were just like, we're going to have to get real lucky. And as soon as the Sixers started burying every three-pointer they took, the Lakers were just like, all right, whatever. Um, in any event, I thought Torian Prince would be a, a possible stream in this ball game uh, because Gabe Vincent and Jared Vanderbilt and Rui Hachimura and Cam Reddish are all out for the Lakers, and he was okay. I mean, he did all of his damage in the third quarter, or so it could have been a whole hell of a lot worse. But the ball game ended early, and so that kind of put a damper on anything you might have done on the Lakers' side. Luckily for the Sixers, they did plenty of damage in three quarters. Tyrese Maxey ended up playing more. I don't entirely know why, because the game was out of hand early. Uh, but I'm not going to argue with it because, you know, Nick Nurse is going to give his guys minutes when he can. You're not worried about Tobias Harris. He just had an off night. That's it. And I think I said on yesterday's pod that this felt like a game where Nick Batum was going to have a better one because the Lakers weren't going to be able to rotate to him. He was going to be able to do his sort of typical Batum stuff. And sure enough, he did have a well-rounded contest. Kelly Oubre Jr. is close. I, I, I don't know that you have to go down the Batum runway here. Um... I guess if we look to see who are the Sixers playing over the next, I don't know, two to three ball games, they've got the Pellies, the Celtics, the Wizards. I mean, the Wizards game is one where you might be able to throw a Batum in there. That's on Monday. It kind of feels like you're reaching a little bit. Anyway, uh, nothing really, nothing really on the Sixers side. Portland beat Indiana. This is uh, equal parts a good win for the Blazers and a uh, bad loss for the Pacers, who fall to 9-7 and seven in a game where they probably figured they were going to be able to waltz into a victory. Blazers are now a robust 5-12. and 12. They're obviously a lot better with Malcolm Brogdon in there. He played 36 minutes, 24-7. and seven. He's an all-systems-go guy. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is sort of settling into more what we expected, which was high-percentage guy. Not that many defensive stats from the center spot, but good rebounds. And then Jeremy Grant. Remember when he was like number 150 and everybody was freaking out? Well, uh, he's number 10 over the last week. And thanks to that very large performance, he's now number 75 overall on the year. So he's worked himself back basically where we thought he would be with a little bit of upside beyond that. This kind of feels like a reasonable spot for him. So he'll level off. The thing with, with Jeremy Grant right now is like, some guys are in that 75 range, and they just give you 75-level production every day, um, like a D'Angelo Russell. He's basically just been the 75-range guy every single ball game. Clint Capella, they don't have those highs and lows. Jeremy Grant has been very low and then very high, but at the end of it all, he's averaged out to this spot. That's what you need to try to keep in your head. Try to forget how he got there and just understand this is kind of a reasonable ending point. There's no, nothing to do with this Blazers team right now. Uh, I'm not going to repeat my Scoot Henderson stuff every single day, but if you haven't heard it before, he's a luxury stash until February, basically. Jalen Smith had to get carried off the court for the Pacers, and then they came out and they were like, oh, it's a heel contusion. I don't know if I believe that initial report, but we'll go with it for now. Otherwise, nothing. Buddy Heald was slower in this ballgame, and, you know, with Rick Carlisle, if a guy's not playing quite as well, they're going to go to different faces in different places and whatever. I, he's a hold. Buddy Heald's starter iteration is very much a hold. 
and there's sort of nothing else to worry about. Bruce Brown is still just dangling right on the very edge of being a drop guy. He's right at the edge of the top 100 in fantasy, but that's good enough. And then Miles Turner has had his minutes kind of held in check so far. He's only playing 26 and a half minutes a ball game, but he's still number 35 despite that, which means perhaps there's a little bit of room for growth, or maybe they're just trying to keep him healthy longer longer this year. Either way, it hasn't exactly opened the door for anyone else, and so it's the same crap with this team where we're just waiting for somebody to grab some extra minutes, and I guess the fact that Buddy Heald seems like he probably is in general is about as good a news as we're going to get from the Rick Carlisle rotation carousel. Pelicans lost at Utah again. Unacceptable for a team that's trying to make the playoffs. Pelicans fall to 9-9. Nine and nine. Break even 500 after a couple of losses to the Jazz, who improved to 6-11. and 11. I guess maybe it's just a bad matchup or something. Uh, Dyson Daniels was very bad. He only played 24 minutes in this game. And CJ McCollum is trying to come back this week so we can go ahead and just move on from any of that stuff. I'm getting questions about whether or not to drop Herb Jones. I know he has slowed, but we always knew this was going to happen. If you really want... You can bench him while he's in a little bit of a lull. Because these guys that focus on defensive stats, they go through lulls, and they're not going to score all that much. So when the points go away, everything else like it kind of feels like it dries up with it. You're not dropping Herb. He's been he's inside the top 35 this year. And even over the last week where he slowed down a little bit, he's still number 126. So if that's the bad, and then the good is what we saw the first month, it'll level off somewhere. It'll be fine. He's not a guy you can sell, I don't think, because no one is going to pay up for him. But you definitely don't want to drop him because he's still getting big minutes. We'll reassess this when Trey Murphy comes back. He does seem like a guy that could maybe challenge Herb for some of those minutes if there are days where the Pels want to go a little more offense over defense. But for now, relax. Najee Marshall played 28 minutes also. He's been uh, like schedule stream level over the last week or so. It's not something that I'm likely to buy into long term but it's something that you could drop in if they have a run into a positive scheduling spot should that occur I don't have that in front of me right now and I'm not going to look it up because that's not what we're talking about and then uh, Jordan Hawkins is a guy that I've been fading pretty much he had a couple of good ball games mixed in but overall he's been outside the nine category zone also more of a schedule level play and that's your Pelicans report Utah is kind of fun right now because Walker Kessler's back, and finally we can all take a big, deep breath. I'm not sure I will because I might start coughing on the podcast, but you go ahead and do it. Coming off the bench still behind Omer Yurtseven for the second game in a row. I, this is not something to be worried about. He got more minutes than Omer did in this ball game. He has, uh, well, he didn't double-double here, but he did in the previous one. He got two more blocks. He shot seven out of nine. He certainly looks healthier than when he went on the mend, injured list, or whatever you want to call it. So, uh, fire it up, man. Walker Kessler's ready to roll. Keontae George had a pretty nice ball game. He missed some free throws, and his field goal percent was kind of meh, but overall, a lot to like there. 14 shots, 19 points, 5 boards, 3 assists, couple of steals. Jordan Clarkson actually ended up doing more of the point guard work in this ball game. Dan throws his hands in the air in confusion. 
Clarkson is a sell high anytime he has a good fantasy line. Keontae George is more of sort of the, the long play here. I still don't have the stones to start him in roto formats. I'm still mostly kind of squatting on him in those leagues. Head-to-head, -head, you're playing George. You get what you get, and you don't get upset, as they say to the children around these parts. And then uh, Simone Fontecchio, he he's started these last couple of ball games with no Lowry Markinen. He's in there mostly for his toughness and does some ball distribution. But, I mean, that's a play only in a scheduling spot. And then even then, you got to be a little bit careful because what if Markinen pops back up and kind of screws it up? I'm likely to dodge in that department. And then John Collins just had a quieter ball game, but you're not worried too much about that. Uh, he's had a quieter week, which should, by the way, surprise no one because we knew when the Jazz got their centers back, he was going to slide back more towards what he was at the beginning of the year, which was, you know, top 100 kind of zone, uh, as opposed to more like top 60 when he was soaking up center minutes. Say it a thousand times, we'll say it a thousand and one. I love when guys get minutes at the five. That is the best. You want to talk about bad losses yesterday. Forget the Pelicans. At least they lost to a mildly competent Jazz team. The Clippers lost to the Nuggets without Nikola Jokic, without Jamal Murray, and without Aaron Gordon, leaving the only two starters as KCP and Michael Porter Jr., and they weren't even good. The Clippers got decimated by Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan. Now, I don't take anything away from Reggie Jackson. When he gets hot, he can get real hot. But this is the first time he scored this many points, I believe I saw, in seven seasons. I mean, if you're the Clippers, you just can't let that happen. You've got to be better than that. This is, a, this is a nasty, nasty loss. Clippers were able to get a couple of wins against uh, a tanking Spurs team. Say what you will, that team is tanking. And we know it because they've been playing Jeremy Sohan at the point all season, even though every metric says it's a terrible idea. So, you know, Clippers were starting to feel a little bit sassy. They were up to 7-8. and eight getting a little fat on a couple of wins, and uh, then they played uh, a team that they should have been able to get fat against, and they didn't. Regardless, uh, I would expect Denver to have their guys back for the next ball game. and when I say their guys, I mean Jokic, and I don't know about Gordon. Jamal Murray does sound like he's close, and I'll remind you all that prior to this ball game, Reggie Jackson was exclusively a points-assists stream, not a nine cat guy, not a roto play, but if the whole team is out, then yeah, obviously you play the dude. I mean, you would have thought that KCP and, and at Michael Porter Jr. would have big ball games also, but MPJ had some foul issues. He couldn't throw a stone in the ocean. So, you know, whatever, even Justin holiday had an okay ball game filling in for Aaron Gordon. Don't read too much into this. Even if just Jokic comes back, it completely flips the offense on its head. Um, and then once Jamal Murray's back, then actually that that's typically good for KCP because he does better when he's just getting wide open shots. But yeah, Reggie Jackson completely vanishes at that point. And then DeAndre Jordan. This is probably like the one bullet he had in the tank for, I don't know, a year. Clippers got a good game out of Kawhi Leonard and a good game out of Evita Zubats, and everybody else was, well, I guess Russ was okay, but mostly dog do. Paul George was terrible. Uh, James Harden was pretty darn bad. Clippers shot the ball awfully. They just had no offense. I don't know what happened to the pick and roll they were trying to run, but it certainly didn't happen in this one. Harden falls outside the top 50, 
And I, I do think that we have opportunities for buys on some of these guys. There's a fear that that's just where he's going to be all season. And I don't think that's the case. Same story for Kawhi Leonard, who, by the way, is playing in back-to-back so far this year. Kawhi's percentages are going to tick up. You might see free throws tick up also. There's a lot to like there. Harden, he just hasn't even really gotten his job. He's scoring 14 points a game for the Clippers. That's not going to hold. 6.2 assists. I got to think that probably goes up too. There's just almost nowhere to go but up for a lot of these guys. I know Paul George has cooled off after a very hot start to the year. You knew the field goal percent wasn't going to stay at 50. He's now at number 14. I don't think you can quite buy low enough on Paul George yet. Maybe you can in a couple more ball games. The other thing I was watching in this game was Norman Powell, and I wanted to see basically how many minutes he got. It was just 21, and unfortunately in my eyes, that's probably not enough. Uh, I picked him up as a speculative ad in a couple of teams. I'm now going to move on from him in those same spots. It's just uh, the the minutes are not high enough, nor are they consistent enough, and uh, so we'll go spend our roster slot on someone else. Folks, before we get to the Tuesday look-ahead, want to remind everybody again to please do take a second to click that subscribe button if you guys have been enjoying these shows, sometimes twice daily episodes here on Fantasy NBA Today. However you take in the pod, please hit the subscribe button and do find me over on social at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. We will see you over on social. And for now, let's go to... Tuesday in season cup night, everybody. And uh, yeah, I know I like Brooklyn has something on the line. The Knicks have something on the line and the Bucks have something on the line. The Heat have something on the line and the Rockets and the Kings and the Warriors. And we'll see if it matters to any of them. That's what I want to find out more than anything. But as far as like what we're actually looking for on the fantasy side of things, we're at, a, we're at the stage now, and some of you guys have called it the great leveling after what I said, I think, last year or the year before on the pod. That's a fair way to assess it. You're really, we're just like in the season now. We're in the season. Uh, we're, you know, 20% of the way in, basically, which means things have settled, and there aren't like five things to watch for on every basketball team anymore. And that's Okay. That's okay. We can laser focus on a few things, which is good for us. We can really focus on watching a particular game, seeing how a player looks, how does he fit. These things that you can't get just from box score analysis. Now we can really do that. Because at the beginning of the year, like 28 out of the 30 teams had stuff we wanted to pay attention to, but just couldn't. So you had to pick like our top four or five teams to really focus on and then everything else you're looking back at video later, you're watching bo- you're checking boxes, you're watching you're trying to check boxes every 4 or 5 minutes to see how numbers are progressing. So it's kind of like watching the game, but you can't really watch it to see how they're doing. Why did I point this way to those that are watching? That's where my television is. It's that direction, but you guys didn't know that. So anyway, now we get into this and it's like, okay, well, Toronto. There really isn't anything. We've seen Dennis Schroeder kind of taper off. We've seen Scotty Barnes taper off a little bit. We've seen the leveling take a place. We've seen Jakob Pertl come back up where we thought he might be. All these little things that are happening, but it's not stuff that we need to pay hyper-close attention to anymore. So we'll zip through that. Brooklyn, uh, this will come down, I think, to Nick Claxton's status. 
Uh, oh, he just got ruled in. Hey, right in the middle of the show. Nick Claxton is in tonight. So Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal are back off the table as safe plays. They are, you know, they're streamable in certain head-to-head formats, so I'm not going to take that off the board. But, like, when I say someone that is not a, a guy I'm not playing, I'm mostly referring to would I use a games cap on him? And the answer is no with those dudes. Cam Thomas is still out. Uh, Cam Johnson is back in, most likely. He's, he was present at shoot-around after having some cramps a couple days ago, so I'm going to assume he's playing, but I guess we don't know for sure just yet. Uh, so I fire up all of those guys. And then Spencer Dinwiddie, who won't have quite as much to do as their last ball game, does seem to be a pretty safe, at the very least, uh, points, threes, and assists guy. He's been very hot the last week. He's getting a whole lot of usage, and he's kind of their orchestrator. So fire that up while he's hot. While he's shooting, you know, 95% at the free throw line and averaging 21 and 10, yeah, you play it. But just know that long-term, his fantasy game doesn't usually translate to all nine categories. And if Cam Thomas ever shows up or Ben Simmons ever shows up, we will reassess these types of things. Got it? Good. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. LaMelo Ball just got ruled out, uh, so Charlotte's going to be without their leader for at least one ball game. I think it's going to be longer than that. Which means more Terry Rozier, uh, more Gordon Hayward, more Miles Bridges, probably some more Brandon Miller. The list goes on and on with this Hornets team. Uh, who would I start in Roto? Obviously, you start Rozier, you start Mark Williams, you start Miles Bridges if you're of the teams that are rostering him. Again, remember, I just, I just think I can win without him this year, so I figure that way I don't have to root for him. And then I'm probably going to start Gordon Hayward. It almost feels like he has to be good enough with no ball. Like, they're just going to need somebody to do more of the simple offense running things. And Hayward is basically best suited for that, because Terry Rozier, we saw last year, was not a very good point guard for that team. So I'll probably fire up Gordon Hayward as well. Um, I have mixed feelings on Brandon Miller. He's been very hot lately, which makes it seem like maybe you could fire him up, and the minutes will probably be there. But, you know, he's hitting all of his shots last three or four ball games, and that's not a guarantee to happen going forward. So just be ready, because when the shots stop falling, he doesn't have a whole lot of other fantasy things he's doing yet. Steals and blocks have been kind of low. Threes outside of the last week have been pretty low. Roto side, uh, he's a coin flip. Head-to-head, that's fine. You can start him on head-to-head, you know, just get the game played out of it. But... Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going that far on the Roto side. The Knicks, I think we have a pretty good idea at this point. Josh Hart not getting the full 30 minutes we wanted, so he's out. And then everybody else is normal. Hawks, Jalen Johnson out for a while. I think you can probably start Sadiq Bey. I know he didn't have a great first ball game without Jalen Johnson, but I feel pretty confident that he'll settle in and do enough in full starters minutes to be top 110 or better, and that should be good enough. Cleveland, as far as we know, they're mostly healthy right now, and lately that's meant that Karis LeVert has actually fallen into head-to-head only's territory, and then everybody else has been as per usual. 
Chicago, every day a new opportunity to blow it up, Bulls. Stashing Kobe White, playing the other guys. Alex Caruso uh, was, we got an update on him. He was present at shoot-around. I don't know if that means he's going to play or not, but it's certainly a good sign. So hopefully we get him back in the mix. And if we do, you can go ahead and start him. Boston, no Porzingis. So, you know, screw it. I'm starting Al Horford, baby. Cheers to that. This is just water. Don't worry. The Bucks. Is Malik Beasley going to have a good ball game? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. He's been good the last couple of weeks, but it could evaporate. His steals have been unsustainably high. He's shooting threes at an unsustainably high rate this year. You guys know what that means eventually. Ruh -roh. Uh, I believe we heard that the Heat are going to have most of their guys back for this ballgame. I'll triple check before I put out any you know, streamer boards later today. Uh, but if they do, then you probably go Bam, Jimmy, Duncan Robinson. If Robinson is out, then you probably feel a little bit better about Kyle Lowry and Jaime Jaquez. Potentially, you could start all of those guys, even if they're all in. Jaquez and Lowry have been sort of right on the borderline when Robinson's been healthy, but I'm okay with it if you wanted to try. Thunder, there's been no update on Josh Giddy, so, uh, you know, same old, same old. Yeesh. Timberwolves, nobody's picking up any Jaden McDaniels fantasy value. I know Nikhil Alexander-Walker's playing the minutes, but he hasn't done anything with them, so rumbling along. Rockets, basically nothing to watch fantasy-wise there. You know, the bench players are not getting enough minutes. Starters have been doing it. Dylan Brooks fell off the cliff, as we knew he would. It was just a matter of time. There was no way he was going to keep doing what he was doing to start the year. He's outside the top 135 now after a top 40 start to the year. That's because he's been outside the top 200 the last week and a half. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is probably not that far from where he ends up at the end of it all. Uh, but then, yeah, you know, we've talked about Freddie Van Vliet kind of slowly moving his way up the board. I still believe that as we see the steals tick upwards, he'll move up where he belongs, which is probably another round above where he's at now. But there's really just nothing to watch with the Rockets. Mavericks, uh, Derek Lively's health status is kind of the only thing to keep an eye on. It sounds like he's getting closer. If he plays, in my opinion, he's a go. You know, he's top 100 so far this year, and he's only getting better. That's good. And uh, then the two superstars, and that's as far as you go with Dallas. Warriors. Klay Thompson is getting feisty at press conferences, which means he's pressing. And Andrew Wiggins has I, been swallowed by a mysterious force that I can't explain. I feel extraordinarily fortunate that I have zero Andrew Wiggins on any of my nine fantasy teams. I do have a Klay Thompson or two mixed in there. I've got to believe the field goal percent gets better. Um, I know he's not a big steals and blocks guy, but those should probably get a little bit better. But more than anything, like we just need him to get his confidence back and see the shots start to go, and then you'll see more shots getting taken, and it'll be this kind of positive feedback loop for him. So I would say hang on to Clay. If you're in Roto, you can bench him. If the field goal percent is, is annihilating your team, I'm okay with that but I do think he's someone that eventually gets it turned around. I don't know that I feel that way about Wiggins. Chris Paul should probably take a little bit of a step down, which is fine. He's been running hot lately. He got himself up near inside the top 60 for a couple of ball games before Scott fostered him out of the last one, uh, or two games back, whatever that was. Draymond's return is the reason I bring him up. We, knew, we saw Paul do a little bit less when Dray was healthy. Um, 
But the good news is, and I've said this before, even as Chris Paul sees his assists tick down, you're going to see the field goal percent tick up. He's not going to shoot under 40% for the whole year. I don't care how old he gets. Okay, that's fine. Once he's like 52, he probably will. But he'll he'll crack 40% at some point here. And you kind of see the two scales tip a little bit back and forth, and that'll keep him from falling too far, in my estimation. Uh, and then what do we think we're going to get out of Draymond? Well, he was suspended, so presumably he stayed in shape. Um, his numbers this year are weighed down by some injury and some suspension. He's number 105, but in only 22 minutes of ball game. You're not going to be able to buy low because anybody that held him through the suspension is going to want to keep him there. Uh, but just understand, he's probably someone that's going to move up a little bit over the next couple of weeks. Not a ton, because uh, his free throw percent is probably not going to stick where it is, but he'll move up a little bit at a time. And, you know, obviously, we've known this for a very long time. Draymond is one of those guys where, you know, the Vegas line doesn't move that much when he goes out, but it should, because the Warriors suck when he's not playing. They're still, like, they can win a game here and there because Steph is insane, but everything they do is built around Draymond's defense and his sort of short roll stuff on offense. Almost everything. His passing, his screen setting, and then his D. And when he's not there, nobody knows what the hell to do. He's going to make them very a lot better as a team in his return, is basically what I'm saying. Uh, and then the Kings, uh, Keegan Murray... Keegan Murray was a weird thing because he, like, he fully participated in practice yesterday, and then we got a report later in the day that he was doubtful. So I don't know if it may be locked up after practice, but let's wait on later tonight. He's someone that it feels like his status could pop in either direction. If he plays, you play him. If he doesn't, I mean, we saw a little bit more for Harrison Barnes. We saw a little bit more for Malik Monk. Those guys are both kind of, kind of, very dangerous roto plays. And everybody keeps yelling at me about Malik Monk, but he's number 155 in nine category leagues right now. And I get it. Like, if you want five assists a ball game and a positive free throw impact guy, okay, fine. But I can't do my analysis based on what your team build is. So far this year, Malik Monk, through the ups and downs, a couple of good ball games, a couple of quiet ones, has not been an everyday nine cat player. He just hasn't. The numbers say it. And it's not because, like, if you're punting turnovers, that doesn't move him that much. Punting field goal, it does move him a little bit. Okay, fine. But, again, I can't build my show around just assuming everybody's punting field goals and turnovers. That crap doesn't work, especially because if all of you did it, then it'd be the same as none of you doing it. Nonsense is what I say. I don't know how I turned this thing into a 44-minute podcast. Uh, let's see what we got over on the question side. Not as many today because there wasn't a, a huge Monday to recap or anything. I'm going to try to find the questions that could apply to a number of you. Um, and that's kind of the way I want to do it going forward. I don't want to answer every single question in the chat room, although I do appreciate you guys coming out to hang out live. Oh, this is fun. I like this one. A question on trade theory. Okay, Delante, let's see what we got here. It's a points league. But I'll, I'll talk about it in sort of the overall sense. A trade has been proposed where I give Mark Williams and Shaden Sharp, and I get Brandon Ingram. I have Simons on my injured reserve. I know Shaden's going to lose value slash be a drop soon. And that Williams for Ingram would be a good one-for-one one in favor for me. Am I thinking through this trade correctly? Also, how does CJ's return, return affect Brandon Ingram? What do you think? All right, so theory-wise, 
you know, a two for one is totally fine. If you can pull it off, it's generally the best way to make a trade, but they are harder and harder to do these days. In nine cat, I honestly don't know that I would do this trade. Now, that's because I don't value the categories that Brandon Ingram is strong at, which is points and sort of assists and kind of field goal percent, but mostly just points. And I do value some of the categories that Mark Williams is good at, which, again, so far this year, he's been ex- ex- very good, excellent in rebounds, field goal percent. Those have been his sort of two big, big ones. And then defensive stats, having two per ball game is not bad either because uh, he's actually just sort of been good in both steals and blocks. Mark Williams has been much better than Brandon Ingram in nine cats so far this season. And the way that Brandon moves past him is if you are hard attacking points and you know maybe punting defensive stats. So perhaps that's a thing. Now, points leagues, Brandon Ingram obviously gets a big bump because scoring, rebounds, assists, those things are very repeatable and you don't get those the the big fluctuations now I know Williams has beaten him in rebounds but Brandon is sort of out there and he's getting usage and so that's an easier thing to do now as far as theory goes I like this trade uh for your points league because Brandon Ingram is presumably better than Williams in your points format and again you get to bring a guy out of your IL slot in a couple of weeks that fills that other pocket now again nine cat I don't think I would do it because I'm not a big Brandon Ingram guy but yes, uh, if you can pull off two-for-ones, this is a great way to think it through. Would you rather have Jaden Ivey, Kobe White, or Emmanuel quickly? I'm going to go Kobe White, and the reason is because I don't think Jaden Ivey can hold on to what he's doing right now, so I can sort of slough him off to the side real quick. Emmanuel quickly is the other option uh, because he's been kind of borderline fantasy play so far this year, and if anything at all happens to a usage guy on the Knicks, quickly gets a huge bump and becomes an easy play. And that's kind of the same story as Kobe White. Because right now, he's not a fantasy play every day. But when a usage guy goes down, he tends to move into that department. And we know that that could happen for the season in Chicago at some point, meaning someone gets traded. And that's how Kobe White ends up with a bunch of value. And it becomes a rest-of-season thing, where with quickly, it does still feel like maybe shorter term. So I probably go Kobe White over quickly over Ivy in this particular sense, just as I think through sort of the balance of short and long term. Uh, Is it safe to drop Tyus Jones for a forward this week? I have Jalen Johnson out and I need to replace his production. Um, I would try to hold on to Tyus Jones. I mean, again, every time the Wizards play two or three competitive games in a row, Tyus Jones jumps inside the top 100. It's just that they just, they aren't right now. Um, now, I get it. If your team is, is, is just falling off a cliff and you, you can't take zeros, well, then Tyus wasn't getting you a zero anyway. That's kind of the hard decision. I, I, I don't think that I can condone a Tyus Jones drop unless you're in really dire straits. And it seems like if that's the case, you should drop the guy getting you zeros and not the guy who's getting you, like, top 120. It's not that big of a jump to drop a top 120 guy for a waiver dude. Big jump to drop a guy getting zeros. Let's see. We talked about Andrew Wiggins. There's a question about him, but we talked about him already. Um, I'm not going to do these three three for three trades on here. Um, What to do? Oh, Keontae for John. Oh, this is actually a trade question, but I guess we'll interpret it as a different one. Keontae George or John Collins? So I prefer John Collins here. I, I just, you know, we saw Keontae with a nice ball game yesterday. I think we are, as much as I like Keontae George, I do. I think he's, uh, he has a nice, an interesting profile here. 
kind of going forward. The one thing we need to remember is that he still has these big rookie issues he's dealing with. So even while he's playing 29 minutes a game lately, last two weeks, he's outside the top 170 because his field goal percent is terrible, his turnovers are high, and the other stuff hasn't been good enough to outweigh that. The way that Keontae George gets inside the top 100, there's a couple of them. His shooting comes around, the turnovers come down, uh, or he just gets a huge usage spike, which I don't think is about to happen anytime super soon. So that's why I would prefer John Collins in that one. And that's why that I continue to not start George in Roto Leagues. Again, he's a guy you seems like you kind of sit on there. Um, and head-to-head, you take what you take, I guess, and hope that it improves over the course of the season. But he is still a rookie ball-handling guard, and those that's problematic. Mm. Hey, Dan, is JJJ a buy low? The answer is yes, and I'm probably going to have him on the buy low show later today. So sit tight. We'll try to get you an answer on what to spend on JJJ later on today. You'll have to watch that other show. Is it worth stashing Marcus Smart in a 14-teamer? Yes. Someone dropped Jordan Poole in my 9-cat Roto League. How much fab should I spend? I only have 52 out of 100 left. Honestly, you might have to let somebody else do this one. Uh, I'd say throw 25 at it so that you have something left to work with the rest of the year. But if you don't get him, it's not the end of the world because things have been somewhat gross. Name five players that I could trade Lowry Markin into. Who could you turn Lowry Markin into? Basically anybody inside the top 20. Uh, no, I shouldn't say anybody inside the top 25. I should say anybody between about pick 18 and about pick 30, you should be able to get. So look at the board, see if anybody jumps out at you, see if you can go get him. The answer is like 50-50. Um... Another question about buying low on JJJ. I see your question, dude, but again, I'm going to talk JJJ on the show later today. So uh, we'll, we'll get into the JJJ valuations on our buy low show. And as I take a sip of water, I bid you all adieu. It's time for me to go do some other stuff today. And then I'll come back around. I'll see you guys in the afternoon. Buy low show coming up probably around 2, 2.30 today. A uh, lot of stuff to do, though. It's a really, really busy day for me. Um, hope you guys saw me on VEASAN this morning with my buddies Kelly Bidlin and Gil Alexander. That was fun, talking some sports betting. Like, subscribe, on the way out. Find me over on social, at Dan Baspris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I forgot to tell you guys to come hang out with us over in Discord. A lot of you guys, I think, saw those messages yesterday. Uh, and so I'll just throw it out there on the screen on my way out. It's also in the show description if you want to find it. It's a free link to join. There is a premium side if you ever decide you want to upgrade down the line. But uh, right now, the free side is cooking, man. Everybody's chatting. They're all asking questions. Everybody's getting answers. It's cool, cool, cool. I like it. So come hang out with us over there. And I'll see you guys in the afternoon. So long for now. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.